and welcome to Books in the Biz. I am here with Rich. I am Dan. And you have come to our Barbie special. Rich, did you ever expect two middle-aged guys would be talking about Barbie in a business podcast? Never, ever, not even close. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, I yes, think we, we both have skin in the game on this. I believe you had a daughter or have a daughter. I have a daughter. Um, I know I cornered the market on Barbies probably between <laughs> 2005 and, and 2010, 2011. I, I think we spent a small fortune on them. Um, mm -hmm. There were Barbies laying all over this house. There were, oh, yeah. I think at one point she had like 50 of them. Don't ask me where they went. But yep. they're not here anymore. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, we definitely did that. And then on top of that, my 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 wife had been given some collectible Barbies with the Bob Mackie designer dresses on them. Oh. So we actually had some that were, you know, tissue papered and in boxes and, you know, and stored in a very special way. So, yeah, there, there's still a connection to uh, Well, your wife and Barbie my sister-in-law would get along really well because I believe she has a cabinet full of Barbies. So that, there you go. that. Um, but today, the reason we're talking about Barbie and, and why we're talking about a business podcast, no less, we are not going to do a movie review. You're safe. If you love Barbie, you can still love Barbie. If you hate Barbie, you can still hate Barbie. But there's actually a lot of interesting things about the history of Barbie in, in business. Uh, Rich, I gave you some information to kind of do some research on. You can look at it from the monetary side of things. I'll look at it from the operation side of things. But just a quick note, Barbie really revolutionized how toys were marketed. And we'll get in that a little bit. But um, what was your research on what's the financial impact Barbie has had? Well, the, uh, the piece that I saw was, you know, specifically about the fact that Mattel was not actually doing well. And the um, CEO was looking for something to try to pull the company out of the position that it was in. And, you know, Barbie became actually this, you know, phenomenon that he was actually able to jump on. Um, and when he did that, he, he almost recreated the brand and brought everybody along with it to get into this, you know, the support behind the movie. So from, you know, I'm sure you're going to talk about it, but it really became a, a marketing deal. It became a, a really massive kind of outreach yet again for a product that's, I don't know, how old's Barbie now? <laughs> 1959. Yeah. So Barbie's been going strong and has been cre created and recreated in, I think, every image of femaledom there is. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe you can virtually get Barbie in any sort of occupation from nurses to doctors to you name it. And uh, it really has become something that if you've got a little girl, more than likely she's had at least one Barbie in her life. And the reality is she's probably had way more than one Barbie, at least that's been my experience. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what research I was able to find was, I think it was about $1.6 billion of Mattel's $6 billion annual revenue is Barbie related. So that's the Barbie toys, the Barbie car, the Barbie dream house. Uh, pretty much everything you see in the movie is a, a slight plug on, on something Barbie that you can buy. Now, the yeah. thing I always liked about Barbie is she always drove a Corvette. Man <laughs> after my own heart. Now, it was pink. Pink is not my color, but I have seen pink Corvettes. That's always interesting when you see those tooling down the road. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's really interesting how, as you pointed out, it 
it pulled the company out of the brink because they were not doing well. They were looking for an opportunity. Now, Barbie's, I would say, depends on how you interpret, but Barbie's beginnings probably are a little bit more seedier because it started out actually as a German doll that Mattel bought the rights to. And it was actually meant as a gag gift, which probably explains why Barbie's disproportionate proportions are of fame nowadays. Uh, but it was a gag gift that was created for men. Um, basically, what was it here from? They would buy them at a tobacco store or something like that. And then what happened was they bring them home, their kids would find them and, and it became a toy that kids wanted to play with. And that's where Mattel had gotten the idea of uh, using this Barbie, I guess, as a, you know, a, a possible toy to add to their, their lineup. Um, Ruth Handler was the person in charge of Barbie. And in the past, and this is where from the operations side, well, you know, why are we talking about Barbie? Toys were marketed a very specific way throughout any time prior to that. Um, primarily toys were marketed right around Christmas time. So in the weeks before Christmas, the toy stores or, you know, the toy markets would, would pop up. Television was relatively new thing at the time. So we're starting to see more shows, more kids oriented shows coming on TV. And Mattel took the approach to actually market the toys year round. And instead of marketing them towards adults, they would market them towards kids. Because for whatever reason, for as smart as some marketing people are, they miss the point. Adults don't play with Barbies. Most of them. Most of them. It's usually the kids. Yeah. And Rich, what were your kids like, say, between the ages of 5 and 10 when they saw something they wanted? <laughs> Relentless. Relentless. <laughs> you want to talk about the best marketing people you have? Get a kid whose sole mission is to get a new toy. Yep. It's endless. They will talk yep. to you every day. They will talk to you three times a day. Yep. I have a son who wanted a cat. Guess what? We got a dog because I was sick of hearing about a cat every day. Um, <laughs> it is crazy on on how kids are about, you know, when they want something, they will work to get it. Uh, so it really did change the market from what Mattel was struggling with and, and became a financial powerhouse for them. I think it's, I think the other thing is too, I think, I think this probably, I don't know, maybe I'm making an, an, an inference and you let me know if you think I'm wrong, but you know, over the last 10 years or so, you know, I think that there's been an awful lot of going back to, you know, reminders of things that the baby boomers had at a certain point mm -hmm. in their life. Um, I know you love Corvettes, but think about the Camaro, right? Yes. And right. They brought back the Camaro. Ford always had the Mustang. That's never yep. really gone away. Right. But the Camaro went away and then all of a sudden it comes back, comes roaring back. And now it's going away again, a 68, by 69 Camaro. Everybody wanted to go back to having a 60, a 67, 89 Camaro. And they, yep. they did a good job of bringing that car back. Then you had the Challenger came back. Right. So yep. all these movies are coming out and they're redos or, you know, reimaginations of movies that were out before. So I think Barbie's just on the same kind of path 
you know, that, hey, let's come out with the movie. Let's remind people of what it was like years and years ago. And like you said, the people that I'm seeing now running around wearing pink are not the kids. They might have been kids back when they bought their dolls, but they're older now, right? Yep. So I it's think the there's adults a certain capitalization of, yeah. Yeah, of, I guess, what, what we call it, days of old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of posts on social media, people I know that are all dressed in pink. They're taking their daughters now to to go see the Barbie movie. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it's very similar. If you remember a few years back, the Lego movies. Yeah. You know, the first Lego movie came out and that was like a really big deal because, you know, again, it was a lot of stuff from even going back. I hate to say it to my childhood where, yeah. you know, you had your Lego toys and we didn't have all the nice kits that they give you to put together and make something out of it. We got a box of Legos and we were left to our imagination to do and create whatever we want to. And so I, I kind of miss those days because I believe that stirred creativity way more than just a box where you've got 10,000 pieces you need to figure out how to put together in a certain order to make it look like something. Right. Um, but all these toys, cars, I mean, to me, records right now are the big thing. Final has come back with a vengeance. And I remember when, you know, when I was a kid, I listened to vinyl. I got sick of records skipping. I got sick of scratches. I got sick of the hissing. And to me, CDs were the best thing to come along. Now we've come full circle and everyone wants a, a record player again. Yeah. And I, I mean, my kids are collecting records now. I don't know how they're going to play it because we don't have a record player in the house. But <laughs> my son has a record, damn it. And it's a collectible and he's he's going to do something with it, I'm sure. My my niece has several records and she actually did get a record player for Christmas. But um, it just amazes me how we history seems to repeat itself all the time. Yeah. 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 We had uh, we had a bunch of vinyl come in here. Um it's not really gonna i don't think it's gonna stick around <laughs> not in this household um but yeah I, there, there came out this whole thing about you know go back to the quality and they don't have the quality and then the other pieces and i'm like you know I, at this point i'm listening to more music off my phone than i, <laughs> was I think we all are so Older, you know, satellite satellite yeah. So, so I guess that's the difference. Apple Music didn't recreate something else. They just found a new way to play it. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And they put it into a tool that you had with you every day all the time. Which 24 made it Yep. So here yeah. we are. Um, <laughs> but how does, I mean, when you look at this, so again, from, from a financial perspective, we talked about, you know, this was kind of the saving grace of Mattel. Um we talked a little bit about how it changed marketing. Um, and now, you know, the, we've been using movies and television shows for branding products for eons. Um, have, I mean, from what your experience is, how do you see this really being something that translate into maybe a startup business, for example? Because usually in startup businesses, you don't have a lot of money to put together for promotions or sponsorships. So, are there creative ways that they can learn from Barbie to maybe do product placement, uh, generate um, buzz? I'm not sure on that side of it. What, what I do see or what I did see in, in doing some reading, preparing for this, you know, I saw a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. Mm. Um, so, you know, kind of like us. 
kind of like us. Like yeah. us. <laughs> we just right now. I, I guess, yeah. I, guess, <laughs> I didn't think of that when I said it. I guess that's right. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about it too. So, yeah. um, but I guess that, you know, bartender came up with a Barbie drink, you know, mm. and basically was marketing this new Barbie drink. And I guess if that brings people into the bar, there you go. Yeah. Um, someone else was, uh, marketing a pink sweatshirt. Once Barbie came out, it was, you know, assigned to let's capitalize on the fact that, you know, Barbie's coming out and this movie came out and, you know, let's do a big promotion and get people to be aware of our name too. I don't know if it works. I'd be interested in seeing what the aftermath looks like and whether or not, you know, people just go and say, well, I wanted that Barbie sweatshirt and they don't remember the company's name or the <laughs> place where they bought it, you know, but they bought a Barbie sweatshirt and where did I get it? I don't know. So, you know, the brand recognition stays with Barbie. So I don't know. I don't know whether it'll work out well or not. You know, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm interested to find out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think for the most part, humans have very short lived attention spans. They only remember what's in front of them when somebody else reminds them about it. Uh, I could see where, you know, you talked about the bartender with a drink, something that does glom on to what's happening in the moment where I could see, you know, if somebody's really curious about it, if they're curious about the restaurant, maybe it gets them in there because of the drink and maybe they try some food or try, you know, they get to experience the service and that might keep them coming back because now we transition from the drink to, Oh, all this other stuff was good too. I'll come back here again. Um, you know, for a podcast like ours, I think this is a one and done. <laughs> if we, Luckily, you know, hopefully what we do is we do get people to say, hey, they're actually somewhat interesting. Maybe I'll listen to some of the other ones. So I do believe there is some short term uh, short term impacts from it. But the idea is it, it isn't centered around the Barbie brand is centered around what you do with utilizing that discussion or that that drink or that menu item or that jacket or whatever it might be to transition. Um, of course, clothing is always a little bit more difficult because that usually has a licensing tie to it. So you have to license with Barbie and then you have to, you know, sell the Barbie products. And like you said, it, it, it's going to be rather trendy and, and this too shall pass. I was quite impressed though with how the movie went about marketing itself and this is where I think you brought it up perfectly when you're starting to talk about the nostalgia of it, because everything that you saw about the marketing of the movie really tied into the emotional effects of, oh, I had that when I was a kid, or I remember those clothes, or, you know, I remember the Barbie house, whatever it might be. Uh, they did a really good job of kind of pulling out your past and saying, this is going to be something worth seeing. Um, you know, from what I understand, the, the movie kind of has a different theme going to it, you know, when you watch it. But if you look at all their commercials and, and all the publicity stuff they've done, they really did a good job to to kind of pull on people for what what they remember Barbie to be. Yeah. Um, interesting in how much. Uh, I guess to kind of changed the subject tiny bit, you know, they were talking all weekend about three major movies came out at the same time. Mission mm, Impossible yep. came out and then Barbie and Oppenheimer came out all at the same time. 
And so there was a big kind of. And there's the Barbieheimer thing, right? Go yeah. see one and then go see the other, which. Yeah. Well, that and Tom Cruise is actually saying, go see. <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise is like pushing everybody to go to go to see all of them. Like he's right. really pushing for the not just for his movie, but for all movies. Like go see the movies. Yeah, uh, which is very interesting. But um, I'm curious. Everybody looks at the top line. Yeah. So who's the winner? Who's the winner? Who's the winner of that? And and you sit there and you scratch your head a little bit and you go, well, Barbie might be the winner, but how much did it cost to make it the winner? Right. Like, how much marketing did Barbie get? Because Oppenheimer, what marketing did you do for Oppenheimer? Not, not, not as much. much. Actually, not much. Uh, talk about writing the yeah. coattails of another movie. I think the whole Barbieheimer thing really got people to go see a movie that probably they weren't as interested in. I, you know, the Oppenheimer movie seemed to me, uh, well, it's more historical, but also kind of more of a art house movie than than say Barbie, which again is more pop culture. Yeah. If I had to guess the, the ones who re really won in this was the movie theaters. Cause they have been oh, struggling yeah. to get people in their seats pretty yeah. much since COVID. I think yeah. the last really big blockbuster was probably like 2019. And it was one of the Marvel movies. And since then we've, we've just seen, you know, attendance drop way off. Uh, the Indiana Jones movie came out. Uh, they spent like 300 million on that. There's estimates that they spent another 300 million uh, marketing. So you talk about the marketing side, how much did that cost? Uh, from what I've ever read on movies, typically whatever the movie production budget is, take about yeah. half of that at least. And that goes back in and is added on for marketing. So, you know, a hundred million dollar movie, add $50 million to it. You're now $150 million to just recoup your costs. Then there's the other factors, which is when you show a movie in a theater, half of that ticket price goes back to the theater. That's why I say I, I believe the theaters are the ones that actually won on that versus versus yeah. the movies right now because they got people in the seats and they got all this hype pulling people back into the theater to, to actually watch a movie again. Um, here's, the, here's the scary part for you. Let, let me throw a little personal information in there. I went to see, yeah. I went to see Mission Impossible. Because I've yeah. been a Mission Impossible fan for a long time. So for me, <laughs> I was waiting for that movie. That's what I really wanted to go see. So we went to see Mission Impossible. Here's the funny part. We go into the theater and there's this giant poster of Indiana Jones. <laughs> I didn't even know they made it. Really? I didn't even, I didn't even know they made the Indiana Jones movie. How did you miss that? They were marketing that thing everywhere. I got nothing. I you can go to Applebee's. Nothing. You can get a free ticket at Applebee's if you buy an entree. <laughs> I, I saw, <laughs> I saw absolutely no marketing. I didn't even know they made the movie. Oh wow! So that, so so if there's a failure there, <laughs> I think I'm going to be curious about whether they, yeah, well, are they going to blame the, uh, you know, because I grew up on Indiana Jones. Oh, me I too. Grew up on Harrison Ford. Yep. So you know, not know that Harrison Ford made another Indiana Jones movie. I mean, how did that happen? <laughs> I think you were hiding under a rock personally. Must we'll, be. Must we'll be. let that go. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it, take Indiana Jones, for example. That, that movie, like I said, was $300 million. I think they invested another $300 million in marketing campaigns for that because there was so much riding on this. Um, Disney has invested a lot in, in big budget production movies. 
and I don't think they've been paying off a lot lately. It seems like uh, uh, there's been a couple big blockbusters that have come out that have not fared too well. Um, and this is the, you know, this is where you come in on the money side of things. Um, does it make sense anymore to do a $300 million blockbuster when you're struggling to get people into theaters or is there a different approach you should take to make money? Uh, the movie industry is so unique. Um, and there's so many pieces to it. It gets difficult. Yeah. You know? Um, I agree with you. Theaters have been just destroyed. There's one in my old town that, you know, just shut down. They just, you know, stopped operating because they just couldn't, couldn't keep up. Um, so the big movie houses have had, you know, more success, I guess, holding on to it than, than anything, but you know, it's, it's difficult because, you know, you, there's, there's so many other pieces that go into that. Mm -hmm. So from the theater standpoint, you know, you go in there and you want a pretzel and it's almost $20. <laughs> so, you know, so, that's why we don't know, go to theaters anymore. <laughs> so part, you know, so, so there's other pieces to it that kind of right. tell you this, this is not just about the movie being too expensive. It's about everything else that goes into it being too expensive. And the fact that now there's a secondary piece because eventually it'll come on a streaming service or it'll come on yep. a DVD or, you know, I mean, you can buy the DVD for $15 when it comes out, if you're willing to wait for it, you yep. know, but it'll cost you a, 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 a fortune to go and take your family to see the movie in IMAX. So is exactly. it worth the movie has to be worth IMAX or worth the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> it's one or the other. So Well, it goes so back I, to that experience again. Um, I don't know about theaters in your area. We have a pretty strong regional uh, player when it comes to theaters around here. And they basically converted all their, you know, you used to go in, you had your seat, right? And your seat could maybe rock back and forth a little bit, but there really wasn't much movement. Well, well now these seats have leather recliners. Yep. So you get in your seat, you hit a button, you're leaning back. There's yep. half as many seats as there were before because, you know, this big, fat, cushy recliner takes up, you know, two seats take up about where five or six were before. Um, but now also those ticket prices. It's no longer, you know, the $5 matinee. It's more like you're spending $15 a seat. Now you got yep. more luxury and, and whatnot. And I think that's where the movie theaters are trying to create this this entertainment experience that gets you to the, you know, it's like when you go on a, a cruise or something, you get the upgraded room or you fly first class on an airplane. They're trying to create an experience that is so much better than what you were used to that you will justify spending the extra money to come back. And that's what I don't know if it's, if it's going to work or not, because as you pointed out, there's streaming services, the DVD. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't even waste time with the DVDs anymore because Apple, I guarantee in less than two months, you'll be able to see Mission Impossible by logging into your Apple TV and paying $3.99 to see the movie at home and yeah. never have to leave the house. You can make your own popcorn for a yeah. buck uh, and, you know, it's it could be just as comfortable. Yeah. And heaven forbid you actually have the whole audiophile thing where you have the surround sound and the big screen theater and everything else. And you really don't have to leave the house anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's, there's a, I don't know, from an operation standpoint, I have to ask you that question, right? Is 
you know, where I hear this experience word a lot um, is, I don't know about by you, but I hear about it with the malls. Yeah. So shopping malls, you know, the like everybody's abandoned the shopping mall since the pandemic. So you've got these giant, you know, sprawling sets of stores that all the big guys are basically falling off of, you know, big box stores are, are leaving or, or failing. And so everybody says, well, now we have to make it an experience. Mm-hmm. We have to make the mall an experience. It's the mall. It's shopping. <laughs> You know, yeah, but when but, you and I were kids, that was the hangout place. That was yeah. the meet your friends. That was, you know, there was, there were the record stores, the video stores. There was all, it was really kind of geared towards the teens and 20 somethings. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think the pandemic was kind of that last blow for the, the yeah. malls. They were really already going downhill because I look at some of the malls around here and they're half empty. You know, there, yeah. there's, the long standing like Sears, for example, Sears did themselves in in other ways, but yeah. in many malls, Sears was one of the anchor stores. Or yeah. typically, that's how, anywhere that's from how ours was. Yeah, and yeah. Sears, of course, is gone. And what else do you have left after that? So there, there are some players come in now. I will say this because um, we, I've seen both. So you talk about the experience side of things. We have a mall called Hilldale. And that mall started out as an outdoor mall. I remember when I was a really young kid, it was an outdoor mall. It had, you know, it was just a line of, of 20 or so stores. Then it came an indoor mall. So they enclosed all the outdoor spaces and, and that kind of became your walkway. And then they put stores on both sides. They've come full circle again. So now they've gone back to being an outdoor mall. They put in common spaces. So they've kind of created these little like park situations. They brought in a lot more outdoor uh, indoor outdoor restaurants where they have outdoor seating and stuff like that. Um, definitely more upscale type businesses, more businesses that people I think with higher incomes are willing to, you know, get out of their homes, go shop, things like that. And it seems to be doing pretty well because there's, I don't see any vacancies there. Uh, they also have like the Apple store actually moved from the one mall that was pretty much going empty and they moved down to this mall and they seem to be doing a robust business down there. So, the experience side is always important because it really comes down to if I have a choice to accomplish everything that you're providing me in my house and I don't have to leave, there's no cost to drive there, there's no worry of parking, uh, depending upon where you live in this day and age, there's no worry of my car getting stolen from a parking lot. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of disadvantages to leaving your house and going to do something. Well, for me to want to go do that, the experience has to be far and away greater than the cost of staying home at that point. That's where you've got to flip things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where, you know, from a movie standpoint, the entertainment of the movie has really changed to me in the last decade. Uh, It's kind of very formulaic. You don't, I mean, you look at Raiders of the Lost Ark, for example, bring up Indiana Jones. You don't even remember hearing about the last one that they spent, you know, in today's dollars, I think it was $50 million or something in today's dollars that Indiana or uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was created for two main movies here. But that, that movie created a lot more impact than say the new one does because of how it was done, how it was filmed, the type of director you had, uh, the type of writer you had in Lucas, the director in Spielberg. That's what, 
really made those movies interesting and and you know bring it full circle now to the barbie movie we kind of talked about this kind of being a, a flash in the pan phenomenon is somebody 10 20 years from now 30 years from now going to be talking about barbie with the same level of affection that they would talk about raiders of the lost ark or jaws or star wars or any of those movies that you know are from our kind of classic era of, of when it was exciting to go see a movie when you actually look forward to doing it. And I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, even the, the Marvel movies, they've gotten so frequent and are, are basically the same script over and over again. I can't remember, you know, the last Marvel movie that I saw that was really that exciting or that I went, wow, that this is beyond words. And, you know, this is going to be something I'm going to watch again and again, and again, really don't look at those movies that way. No, no, I, I will say that I have a particular affinity for the original Iron Man, which was which that was very good. Phenomenal. That's what Marvel was. But very then good. after that. Yep. After that, you kind of. You know, that was just that was just my opinion of it. Like after that, it was the kids want to go see it. And we all went and saw it. <laughs> I've seen every one of them. Yep. But, you know, I, if I go back and I'm and I'm sitting around saying, gee, what do I want to watch tonight? The original Iron Man will still be the one that gets the most likes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've, I've watched that one multiple times. But again, that one at the time that movie came out, that movie was far and away different from what we had normally yeah. seen with other superhero movies. Now you fast forward, they basically took Iron Man and regurgitated it about 50 million times. DC's done it. Marvel's done it. Basically the same yeah. formula. And you go through it, you're like, eh, eh, eh. Not even yeah. exciting. It's not even worth following yeah. the, you know, the thread of movies they're trying to string together to, you know, you're supposed to watch this one and then watch that one and so on and so forth. Um, but I think that circles back to really, you know, what we're, why we started discussing Barbie and everything else is it really is about that experience. And whether you're a contractor, whether you're a medical service provider, uh, regardless of what business you're in, you can make an impact by doing things differently than what your competitors are doing. And it's not as easy to do. You, you really have to look for different opportunities on what your customer needs are at and really work to address those needs. And I, I don't see a lot of companies doing that. They seem, they tend to want to follow the same formula as the other big players in their area. And to me, that's, that's really becomes the differentiator between what why should i go to you versus go to this other company which is maybe a multi-billion dollar company that has way more resources for marketing and advertising hmm. understood um yeah i don't really have an answer to that one <laughs> i stumped you i stumped you you stumped me <laughs> so you're gonna go out and go yeah, see barbie no, I think I'd go see Mission Impossible again yeah. in the IMAX theater. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that movie was good. My son did go see it, so I, I, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that one as well. Yeah, I'm probably going to miss Barbie too. My daughter is now 22, and I, I don't think Barbie's on the top of her radar anymore. So I don't have to worry about her <laughs> saying, hey, Dad, take me to a movie. She'll, t she'll tell me to take her to other things, but movie's kind of out of the question on this one. I so, hear you. I hear you. Well, my my twenty four year old did go with me to see Mission Impossible. So, oh, good. But I don't think she's I don't think she's going to see the Barbie movie. Either. <laughs> that's the that's the impression I got. Uh, but 
lost the interest, lost the interest. Yeah. Well, hey, if you are a company out there and you need some help, maybe trying to figure out what makes you unique and you need to watch your costs, you can talk to Rich. Rich, how do they get a hold of you again? Uh, my email is rveltry at veltrygroup.com. And you can find me at danpaulsonletsgo.com. You can also email me at dan at Envision Business Development. Personally, I would go to the website because it could be a lot easier than typing in all those letters. And we will be back here again next week with some more exciting stuff to talk about. I don't think we'll be talking about Barbie again, but we'll find something else that might pique your interest. That said, it's been Books in the Biz. It's been Sounds great like talking to you, and we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>